Hi, I'm Nana. And I'm Bonkio. And this is African.American. This is a show about children of African immigrants and immigrants themselves living in the United States. I switched it up a little bit, Bonkio. No, I've just decided <laughs> to let it go. Like Elsa, right? Is oh that her name? <laughs> it is Elsa. Let it go? Okay. I whatever. hate that movie, but whatever. <laughs> The cold bothers me. It bothers me a lot. <laughs> anyway. Today, we're going to be talking about the egg freezing process. When folks decide to uh, freeze the eggs and the African.American community's attitudes towards the egg freezing process. So today, actually, Bonquillo will be another guest of ours, and we have another special guest. Hi, Elena, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. What country or region are you or your parents from? So I grew up in Maryland, um, in the DMV area. And um, my my father is from Senegal. My mother is Mexican-American. Ah. How do you identify yourself ethnically or racially? I mean, I think generally when I have to tick a box, it's the African-American black box. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes you have the option of checking if you're Hispanic or Latino, so I check that one as well. But um, typically, you know, if someone's asking me where am I from, I just say my dad's from Senegal, my mom's Mexican American, because it just gets a bit complicated to explain how do I identify. I identify as many different things. Have you found that has changed um, as you've grown up, or have you typically identified yourself in that way and introduced kind of your parents in that way? Yeah, I would say maybe it's changed as I've grown up in that. Um, you know, as a kid, maybe it was it was a bit more simplified in that I would just kind of identify as being black. But then as I mm. grew older, I think, I don't know, it was kind of more, I was more specific about it, about which countries I was from. And I think that comes from just traveling and from interacting with all different kinds of people mm. um, and realizing that I am very much a product of those two contexts. Part of identifying as Black as the default was because you're also from Maryland, just thinking about it. Because we're we're both from Maryland as well. And I think looking at you, I would be like, yeah, I get that. Like, I think I, as an adult, I think about a lot of the kids who are biracial or even, um, I think I knew a kid who was Filipino. We didn't... (laughs) We thought he was like, we thought he was from El Salvador. And it wasn't until I got to like college, I was like, that boy was Filipino. Why didn't we just assume? (laughs) Why didn't, because we, you know, the kids just have those boxes and that's how um, folk rolled. So just wondering about that was, why was Black the default kind of for you? Um, I mean, I think because when people look at me, that's probably what they see first. And I think also, I think my parents were smart in that they knew that there would always be this temptation to try and say, oh, but I'm mixed or um, I'm black butt kind of thing. But we had the conversation when I was pretty young of, you know, in America, you're black and, you know, that's what you are. And so that's what I always understood. Um, And that's not to say that I didn't identify with my Mexican-American heritage. It's just that how I present is as a black person and that's how people see me in the world. And I think that my parents wanted me to be prepared for that pretty young. You hit it right on the head there that 
you know, your parents prepared you and had that conversation with you early on. So you understood exactly how folks will view you and how you present and how you, you view yourself. That's very good. All right. Let's, I believe both of you have gone through the uh, egg freezing process. What led you to, Elena and Bonquillo, what led you to into deciding to freeze your eggs? So from my side, I basically, well, I had a friend who did it. Um, so there was someone who kind of paved the way and spoke to me about her experience. And then I'd reached a point where I was in my mid-30s. I had gone through a breakup and I knew that kids were not in the near future, that it would take some time. And by that point, you know, you're in your mid-30s and thinking, how is this, how is this going to happen? Um, and because my friend had, had done it and had, you know, an okay experience, mm. I figured, you know, why don't I actually do some research on this and, and look into it so that I don't feel pressured going forward in dating and relationships about this issue of, you know, wanting to have kids and running out of time. Yeah, I think similarly, uh, well, I froze my eggs when I was engaged. <laughs> and it was during the pandemic. <laughs> I was literally just kind of just looking around and being like, what can I do to, I'm that kind of person, type A, what can I do to save time in the future? I felt like we were, because we were stuck for a while and we didn't know when things were going to open up and it just kind of felt like it could go on for a long time and also being in mid my mid-30s decided to go ahead and do it so immediately it was more like I need control and I need to make use of this time as I'm like moving towards like these other life goals what can I do right now in this moment since I can't go nowhere I can't you know what can I do um I thought about it a few years before, but actually had been discouraged from doing it by my doctor. So that was something that was interesting. Mm. Um, was still with my now husband, but like we we've been dating for like I don't know, nine months or something. And so she was like, "Well, why do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know. People are doing it. It seems like you know you have the insurance policy." And she said, "Well, when you eat eggs, do you want them frozen or do you like them fresh?" Your doctor said that. My doctor said that. <laughs> she said, when you're making an omelet, do you want to do you want it from eggs that are frozen or fresh? And I was like, well, I guess I'd never thought about it in that way. Um, I mean, she made some good points about like her concern was that a lot of women like lean on it a lot and that they don't understand that it's not like a hundred percent and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And it's a lot we don't know, you know, a lot of hormones and all that kind of stuff. So then I kind of, I had left it off, but I changed doctors. That was probably one of our last meetings, my last meetings with her. And so like, yeah, like a couple of years later, I ended up doing it. You mentioned that the doctor had told you the process wasn't a hundred percent. And I think both of you have mentioned that age played a role of some sort um, in your decision-making. Do you think there was a right time and there's a right time and age to go through this process? I mean, I think it really just varies from person to person. Mm -hmm. So in my case, when I first started doing research, I got a referral from my OBGYN. And so I went into a fertility clinic and they do some initial blood work. Mm -hmm. And so they tested what's called the anti-malarian anti hormone and the follicular stimulating hormone. And so a big factor for me was just that my levels didn't come out to where they should be for my age. Um, and that was a big motivation for, for moving ahead with, uh, doing the, the, the egg freezing. 
But had I come out of those initial initial that initial testing with a sense that you know things are on track, they they are where they should be, then I might have actually waited a few more years. So I think it really just depends on where you are in life, you know, things like this testing, what your when when you think is appropriate for you to have kids, if you think that you're if you're in a relationship and you think that, you know, it's likely that you would be having kids soon. I think that there's so many factors to consider that I don't know that there's necessarily a right age. But mm. I mean, I think if you do if you do um, speak to like a fertility specialist, I think they'll say before like you're 35. And, you know, and it may vary. I'm not like a professional, so it may vary depending on on who you speak to. But mm-hmm. you want to do it at a young enough age where you're going to get enough eggs and where the quality of the eggs will be good. So I think that that's a consideration as well. What When you say enough eggs, I mean, I'm out of curiosity, what is what does what does that mean? Yeah, so when you go through a cycle, a fertility cycle, so you take all these hormones and they stimulate the um, production of eggs. And so when they go in to do the procedure, they extract the the eggs. And so in a normal cycle, you might get, I don't know, 20 eggs or so, depending on the person. Mm. But if you are struggling with fertility issues, you might get no eggs or you might get two eggs or three eggs mm-hmm. and you need to freeze a certain number in order to increase your chances of at the end of the procedure having healthy viable eggs that can that can be used in the future because with the freezing process when they thaw the eggs there are some eggs that are lost and then you have to factor in that you know in the in the process of I guess them using the eggs, it's possible for you to miscarry. I mean, there are there are all sorts of steps and things that can happen and go wrong that lead that could or may not lead to a pregnancy. And so um, it, you want to have as many eggs as possible when you're freezing, considering freezing. That that was one of my biggest takeaways was that one egg does not. I think people think of it often as like oh one egg means one chance of a kid and it's like freezing eggs is different from freezing embryos where you have embryos just tend to have a greater chance of survival because they're further along in the development process so i think what my clinic shared with me was like you need about 15 to have like a 85 percent chance of having one successful pregnancy so yeah so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when you think about it like that, it it, it it's helpful to, for me, it was helpful to think about it like that, because then it kind of made sense why, like, some people have to do several cycles in order to have enough to freeze, mm-hmm. and why my doctor beforehand was like, eh, it's not a guarantee. So it's a lot of work for a chance, for each chance at one kid, even though it seems like you're pulling out a whole bunch. Um, and for all the reasons that Elena highlighted, that the eggs just drop off. So I'm just going to add one thing, which is that, um, and it depends, I guess, on the fertility specialist, but you're not walking into the procedure blind, at least in my case, based off of the, um, the hormone testing that I did, my uh, specialist gave me an estimate of how many eggs he thought I would get per cycle. So I didn't, 
I didn't um, walk into the procedure thinking, okay, I'm not going to get any eggs. I had an estimation of, you know, eight to 12 eggs per cycle. Knew exactly what to expect. What were the most important things you considered um, for choosing your specialist or um, the place to have the procedure done? Did you have any sort of considerations? I know, Elena, you mentioned contacting your OBGYN. Was that the natural process for you? It seems like Bonquillo's changed um, specialists altogether. And if you could both share uh, your experiences with that. So I got a referral from my OBGYN. And so I went to the um, doctor that she recommended and had an initial consultation with that doctor. And then I decided to shop around because these procedures are very expensive. So I went to another fertility clinic to see sort of what were some other options, just because I wanted to be able to compare. And uh, I mean, I think that there there are different things to consider um, with different fertility clinics. Often they have packages where you can do so many cycles for, you know, X amount of dollars. And, you know, that's good for situations where you, you are not necessarily going to retrieve a lot of eggs per cycle and say you want to say you at the end of the procedure you want to retrieve 20 eggs but you don't know you have an estimate that you know maybe you're going to retrieve anywhere between you know five to ten per cycle and so that means you may have to do multiple cycles or you know if you're lucky maybe just two Um, those packages are really nice because you pay one upfront cost and then you get to do, you know, up to a certain number of cycles without having to pay extra versus some fertility clinics where you have to pay per cycle. And if you're paying per cycle, it can it's just generally much more expensive than if you try to do like a package. So, yeah, so cost was a big determination in, in the consideration of the procedure for me. How about you, Bonkio? I would echo that, although mine was a little bit different. My I. I have a job that covers it. And so that's why it even became something on my radar because it's expensive. That's what I, I didn't know much about it before, but I knew that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so also because, because we do have that coverage, I just have, I know a lot of more people who have women who have done it or have alluded to having it done and um, was able to, actually talked to someone who was an egg donor like Mm -hmm. it's not her job it wasn't her job but she'd done it several times for that reason I think she had come from a family where people had received egg donors and it was really helpful so she wanted to kind of like give back so she walked me through um when it came time to decide on actual an actual place I had to like consider what was in network for my insurance so that was like the main thing that I looked at Um, but also something that I didn't consider, but I'm very happy that it worked out for me is distance because I was again, like asking friends, asking people that I knew who they would recommend. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being that the two winners (laughs) were one doctor who was an hour ride away from me and another one that was 12 minutes away. And I wrestled with which one, there was pros and cons to each one and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, you know what, let me just take this, this, this guy or whatever, this clinic. And it ended up being really helpful because uh, you got to go there like every other day. Every other day. When you start doing injections. Yeah. And I didn't know that. Wow. Or didn't realize it. And this is, you know, it is what it is. So I was really fortunate. (laughs) 
<laughs> that I picked the place that was a 12 minute ride because it would have really sucked. And, and, and I, I don't know if this is every clinic, but like, it's also very early in the morning that you have to go usually for, they call it like monitoring. So they just like do blood work and they check on to see how the eggs are growing and their size and stuff like that. So it, um, distance should, should play a role or just consider that like, if this place is far, how, how are you going to be able to get back and forth? Um, and also consider that sometimes with clinics, they'll have different branches, but there's only one where certain procedures can be done. So like in Maryland, they may have like a branch in, they may have an office in Maryland, an office in DC, an office in Virginia, but where the actual egg extraction happens may only be in one of those offices. Or on the weekends, there's only one open. So again, thinking about distance, like you may find one that's really close to you, but you may end up having to go just logistics wise, a little bit further out or a lot bit further out, depending on where you live, because they don't do everything at every location. What were you mo most concerned about before you started this entire process and what surprised you the most? To start with Elena. Well, I was concerned about, like I said, that they give you an estimation of the number of eggs per cycle, but I was I was concerned even with those estimations that they may not retrieve enough and that I would, you know, get locked into having to do, you know, five, six cycles. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of my egg retrievals, I, I went through three cycles, which is a lot because it's quite a lot of emotional energy and just like injecting your body every day with injections. It just, it's just a lot, honestly. So three was really a lot of um, cycles to have to do. But, you know, I'm lucky that in the end, I think it, it all worked out and I ended up freezing a good number of eggs. But yeah, my, my biggest concern was just that there wouldn't be enough eggs and I would have to do like, you know, six cycles or something. And, you know, each cycle costs money because of the medications. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, the, the cost was kind of a worry for me. But I guess what I was most surprised about was the, how easy the actual procedure was. So... I think the most difficult part of egg freezing is the, like I said, the hormones and the injections and how it affects your mood and just having mm -hmm. to go in every other day to have your blood drawn and then like your arms are bruised from, from them um, drawing from the, like the same site on your veins. And it's just like, yeah, it's a, it's a bit exhausting. They switch arms, wow. but... They do switch arms, but honestly, when you're getting your blood drawn that often, your veins do start to bruise up a little bit. I, I'm, I know I'm making it sound terrible. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that terrible, but I think that that was actually the much harder part than the actual procedure. The procedure mm. was just a 15 minute thing scheduled very early in the morning. Um, you go under, they put you on anesthesia. Mm -hmm. um, so you sort of lull into this sleep. And then when you wake up, it's all done and it's like 15 minutes later and you know you're good to go like i mean you're not good to go back to work but you just rest for that day and then the day mm -hmm. after you go back to work so the procedure itself is very kind of at least for me from my experience it was pretty straightforward how long is a cycle about a month so first you so first you start with taking birth control 
And then when the timing is right, you start with um, the injections of like the hormones. And then at another point, like you have to take some other injections. And so then you're doing two injections per day, like one in the morning and one in the evening. And then there's like a trigger shot when your eggs are like just right before the procedure that you take. And yeah, by the end of it, from like when you started taking birth control to when you've actually had the procedure, it's typically about a month. How about you, Bonkio? A lot of that, a lot of what Elena said resonated as well. I think the distance piece and just the, the monitoring how often was something, again, I cannot stress that enough, pick a place that's close. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't account for, didn't, I don't know, it's not that I didn't do, you know, I didn't do due diligence or what have you. I asked people about their process, but it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't come up. So that was one. I didn't actually, my clinic didn't give me an estimate. So that's interesting that you got one. They did tell me what would be a good number, right? So I knew that 15 was the golden number to aim for. So there was that. Uh, for me, I actually got, I think something that surprised me was just like how many were not deemed useful. So I actually got 23 extracted, but only 14 were good enough to be frozen. And that was, it wasn't devastating, but it was disappointing again, because I'm type A, right? And I was just like, I felt like I guess I'd let myself down, but it's like, you can, it is what it is and your body's going to do what it's going to do. And I think that that was something that surprised me. And I think, I guess maybe connected to that and to what Elena was saying as well is the emotional toll that it takes. I don't fancy myself a super emotional person, but it does get, a, there are points in it where you're just like, there's so many other things in life that you can do and you have control over. Like you wanna to go to school, you whatever, get good grades, you go to the school, you do the thing. You wanna work at something, you figure it out, you go to your house and you do the thing. But you can't really make your body make 50, well, you wouldn't want 50 eggs, that'd probably be too much. But you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't make it do any more than what it's going to do. Mm. So really holding out that space for Paying attention to yourself, and even if you think you won't need it, holding that space for yourself to be like, uh, yeah. So I think those were the things that surprised me the most. The other stuff I think was, oh, I think the thing I was most concerned about actually at the very beginning was doing the injections, but that's actually not that hard. I, the twice I, a day injections. <laughs> it wasn't that hard. Interesting. Once, Interesting. once, I, once I got a rhythm, right? Because I built it up in my head. So I was like, all right, all right. I gotta watch. I gotta watch these videos. I gotta figure this out. I gotta count to ten before I do it. And then it's just like you know, it's 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 like getting blood, right? Like it it sucks, but like the actual pain of the prick of the needle mm. is really it's like a second, and then it's done. Um, so I. And I just, I've never done medical stuff before. So it looks, some of them, at least for me, some of my medicines, I had to mix them. Like, you're like, all right, what's the 27 gauge needle? I don't know what that means, but we're going to, we're going to learn today, <laughs> right? I'm just like making sure you're measuring it right. You're doing it. It's like, oh. Um, so that was what I thought would be 
the trickiest part, but that part at least was the, it was more straightforward. It really is just like mix it and inject it and make sure you do it. Um, it sucks, but um, I think, the, yeah, there are other things that take a bigger toll than that. So, Out of curiosity, what was your community's attitude towards kind of infertility growing up and what was yours? We can start with you, Bonquillo, and then we'll go to Elena. I think, so I, I come from a pretty big family. I, I, all my aunts had kids relatively young. I think there are some that like didn't have children for several years. I think, I don't know, with African folk, with Sierra, I, I feel like I heard a lot of like Nollywood stuff. If someone couldn't have a kid, it was because, you know, somebody fingered that. I don't know. I don't want to say fingered them. That sounds gross. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's a lot of, I do remember a lot of, you know, not real aunties, but people going to like prayer meetings and circles and mm. getting oils and just, you know, anything to be able to, to bear fruit, to bear fruit. Oh, these awful um, analogies, to bear fruit. And so it was seen, I feel like in general, it's seen as like external forces at work mm-hmm. as opposed to like, so like being a medical reason, or even mm-hmm. if it's a medical reason, it's because those external forces cause We're causing the medical, the medical reason. reason. Yes. And yes. it's like, you know, it, th- that was what it was. Um, and I mean, I think even within larger communities, I, I, I know someone who, I think people just don't get it if they haven't gone through it. I know someone who said something like, we're talking about celebrities. I don't even know why it came up, but you know, like a lot of celebrities have fraternal twins. And it's not, it seems like if so many of them are having fraternal twins, they probably, because they're doing fertility treatment, like they're having, they're using IVF and other things, well, IVF to have kids. And, you know, comments like, these people are lazy. It's simple. Sperm meets egg. Bam. Like, really? Huh? Yeah. So I, 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 I have heard, you know, people say things like that. And this is this is way before egg freezing or anything came on my horizon. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is in some quarters like people just don't understand. It's not the easy way. It's no <laughs> it's not the easier way to have a kid. And sometimes, you know, they're just they're just conditioned. They're just situations where, like, you that's what you need to do. So, yeah, I think I, I painted a very sad picture of it. But children are super important, too. And you're almost nothing if you don't have a kid as a woman. Um, nobody has ever said that to me. But that is just kind of the sense that I've gotten growing up, right? Like, even for people who, it's really even hard for people to say they don't want to have a kid. Yeah. Right? Like, you say that and people are like, yeah. for a lot, or like, don't say what's that, God forbid, yeah. what's wrong with you? Don't, don't let, whatever, don't let the angels hear that. You know what I mean? Like, that, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. So it's, um, it's super important, but I don't know that people embrace fully like why some people may need it i guess the last piece is that but i have i've known of people who use ivf um to have kids and people didn't i think it's maybe in other communities people kind of 
don't talk about that because it's shameful. But I don't know that it's shameful in mine. It's sort of like you got to do what you got to do. And so if that's what you have to do, then do it. Because again, if you don't have a kid, then like, what, what do you have in this world? That kind of idea. So how about you, Elena? What were your community's attitudes and what were your attitudes growing up? Um, I mean, I don't recall ever having like an explicit conversation about fertility or infertility per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but both my parents come from pretty big families. So my dad actually has 19 brothers and sisters. My mom grew up, you know, traditional Mexican-American Catholic family, five brothers and sisters. So they came from pretty big families with lots of siblings. And I, I felt like there was always an assumption growing up that I would have kids. There was never any conversation about, oh, this is a choice. And, you know, you do what you what makes sense for you. I think there's always kind of this assumption of, you know, she's going to get married and have kids one day. So, so yeah, I mean, I think um, that shaped very, that has shaped very much my, my sort of thinking about fertility and, and family. And I think with the procedure, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any challenge. I mean, okay. So I haven't spoken to my father about it ever. Really, Mm. It just is not something that I naturally would have a conversation with him about. But my mom knows because she had to, she picked me up from, from one of my um, surgeries. And I think like, she's very much, she's always been, you know, supportive. I didn't feel any sort of judgment from her. Like, I think she, she fully understood why I needed to do it. But I think like, not necessarily in my community, but just in like the diaspora in general, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's like a feeling of it not being natural going through these procedures that it's like not the natural way to do it. And so if you're not doing it naturally, like, what's the outcome going to be? Like, are you going to have, like, messed up kids? And, like, why why go through all of that when it's not, like, the natural way that, you know, that is intended for a woman? So I think that there's a little bit of that. And I do think also, I mean, I would agree that um, I did grow up with this thing of, like, you know, having children is a part of womanhood. So to be fully a woman, you need to, you know, have children. And so I think that there's definitely a bit of that stigma with being a certain age and, and not having children and feeling a certain kind of pressure that um, you need to keep those options open. You touched a little bit on this, Elena, as you were speaking, but how open, how open have you been with your friends and other family members about this? I haven't honestly really talked to other family members about it just because, well, I tend to be kind of more of a private person in general. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it hasn't really come up. And so I don't really mention it. I think if someone were to ever ask me, have you ever considered this or have you done it? I would I would be open to talking about it. But it's just not something that necessarily naturally comes up in, in conversation. With friends, I've been very open, especially with, with female friends. In dating life, And in speaking to men, I don't necessarily, it's not something that I bring up Mm. right off the bat. Um, So it's one of those things that if someone were to ask me for for whatever reason, you know, have you ever considered this or done it? I would, I mean, I'd be honest and answer, but I wouldn't necessarily bring it up on my own just because I don't want to, in the dating context, apply any sort of like pressure to the situation. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I figure if it's someone that I'm meant to be with that, that, we would have a more extensive conversation about it down the line, but not necessarily something that I would mention, like, you know, on a first or a second date. 
how about yourself, Bunkyo? I think similar. I, I mean, siblings know, or I mean, I've mentioned it. Like I'm, you know, mother knows, and like there's no judgment there on their front. But like, yeah, I only mention it if it comes up. Like I don't think, like even with us, I think when we were talking about this episode, yeah. I was like, yeah, I did it. And you were like, when? I was like, oh yeah, remember that time when we were like me. <laughs> Yeah, you did not share it when you were going through it. I think you thought you had. I think I thought I had mentioned it. Like it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not hidden, but it's not like I don't lead with it either. So yeah, it's a kind of a mix of, it's a mixed bag. And I think the same thing with dating. Like again, like at the when I first was considering it, one of the things that came up with my doctor was like well if this is your forever person why don't you freeze embryos and I was like I didn't say all that forever is a long time um so (laughs) it's always been how do I think I guess it's just always been the idea of me doing this thing for myself just in case for myself as opposed to like what other things are there um so yeah, it's not, I'm not, I don't not talk about it, but I don't talk about it either. But I guess I'm talking about it now, so there you go. Either do you, or you have this conversation with your families prior to the procedure, or did you get everything, get the procedure done, and then, you know, start having those conversations? Um, I had the conversation with my mom before doing it. Yeah, mainly just because, I mean, I think... At one point, we were on a trip together on vacation, and, you know, you have to, like, take all these hormones and do injections, and I didn't want to have to hide it. I mean, because there are points where you, like, you know, you're at dinner or whatever, and you have to, like, go sneak away with a bag and go inject yourself, and I just didn't see any reason to, like, to hide that from anyone. So, yeah, I was upfront with, with her about that, I think, partially for that reason, just because we were on vacation together when I did my first, my very first round. But in either case, even if I had not been, I think um, just like, you know, I think consulting with like, you know, your your mom or another female relative, just so like someone knows that um, what you're going through is, is helpful just because it's, mm. it is like kind of emotional and it's good to feel like you have some support. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't, we weren't, my mother and I weren't in the same area, but I think it's pretty much like any other thing. It's just like, oh, by the way, I'm doing this. And so, like, she was there. I think I've since done more explaining about what goes into it. Because, I mean, like, she's never had to, like, do that. And, and again, just like everybody else, like, you have to find out about it before you understand all the different steps. And she was like, oh, that's a lot, right? Because a lot of times on the news and stuff, it's like, I think, I feel like in vitro is more what people hear about. But even yeah. then, it's just like, oh, baby in a test tube. But um, now we have, you know, octoplets um, and it's still not it's the, the different steps and stages are not always like explained. So what is a piece of practical advice that you have for people considering egg freezing? I would say um, if you if you if financial constraints are not as much of a concern, and maybe even if they are, that it can be really helpful to get that initial blood work done at the very least, particularly your AMH, and to 
also just take into account that like it can your levels can shift really quickly in a short period of time. I know people always talk about the clock is ticking. I never used to like that kind of conversation. Um, I think we've talked about that now. It's like when I lived in Egypt, I was 27. In e- women in Egypt get married way younger than that. And people would be like, oh, are you married? And I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, Malish is like, it's okay. They're there. It'll it'll get better. And I'd be like, I don't know what y'all are tripping about. I'm happy to be 12. Like, I'm not from here. It's okay. I'm not an old maid. There's still hope for me yet. I wish I had been in the mindset to look at those types of things just a little bit earlier. Like once I was in my early 30s, it was a possibility. But again, I was like, I don't believe in all this stuff. And again, you know, people in my family don't have that issue. And I say that because I've gotten my, I've done the test twice within like the span of a year and my AMH dipped. So wow. it was okay. And then it dipped. And so it was like, whoa, like, oh, there, there might be some, um, there's method to, I mean, there's, there's method to science, right? Like, oh, the science thing might be real. <laughs> I don't mean it like that, but just sort of. I think I'm just really surprised by what a difference 365 days actually can make. Mm -hmm. And so even, you know, if you're considering it, just getting those baselines done, just so you have an idea of what you might be working with. And if you are leaning more towards doing it, just do it and and get it out of the way. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Sorry, that rambled a bit, but yeah. How about you, Elena? Um, well, I would say, um, especially listening um, to other people's experience and Bankyo's experience, um, research your options for potentially for your insurance to pay because that that didn't work out for me. But um, I, it's possible I could have been more persistent and, and found a way um, for insurance to pay. But I mean, I paid out of pocket. I mean, I was lucky that my work has a child planning benefit. So I had some cost mm-hmm. covered. But it is an expensive procedure, so I would say if you're considering it seriously, most likely you're going to have to pay some portion of it um, unless you just have like excellent benefits through through work um, or you can get insurance to pay, which I think most people I know um, who've done it have not had that luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so save up. So, yeah, if you're going to do it, um, save save up um, money because it's going to it's going to cost and then. You know, if you if you end up doing multiple cycles, you have to, you know, sometimes pay for medications, which are very expensive per cycle. And so, you know, whatever price may be quoted up front for for the procedure, it it could be more if you end up having to do more cycles and purchase more medications and so on. Mm. So make sure make sure that you plan for that. Um, I would say also, you know, compare your options. I think location definitely was a a major consideration for me because, you know, like mentioned, you, you're going in and every single day, but if there's more than one fertility clinic that's close to you, like look at, talk to different people, talk to different specialists and, and compare and go with someone that you're, that you're comfortable with. This has definitely been an education for me and I've learned quite, quite a bit. And I think one takeaway um, would be at the very least to get an initial blood work done. (laughs) And even thinking, as Elena mentioned, thinking through the cost prohibitions of of the procedure, perhaps for some people. Um, But let me me ask this uh, as my last question, how much does it cost 
for somebody who who had their insurance pay for it, how much did you actually have to cover out of pocket? And for Elena, who had to pay out of pocket, how much how much did that how much was the cost for you, if you don't mind answering? It was over twenty thousand um, dollars. And but that's also because I did multiple rounds. I had to do three rounds. Um, and so I was lucky in that I got a package. My package deal was like sixteen thousand dollars for up to three rounds or 20 eggs retrieved, whichever comes first. So I guess I had a bit of cushion there that if I needed to do three rounds, which was like the maximum, and that I ended up doing, um, that I would pay a kind of set price. Mm. But in addition to the cost for those rounds, I had to pay for the medications. So the medications, the, the Fallistum was the one that I was taking. I remember it just being very, very expensive. So I think I was paying, I don't know, maybe like around $2,000 per each round for the medications. And then I had to pay for anesthesia too for the additional rounds. So it was covered for the first round, but not for the second and the third. So all of those costs ended up being um, some somewhere over $20,000 in total for, for everything. So yeah, so yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty expensive, but I think it was well, well worth it. Uh, wow. And I think now that everything is said and done, I'm really happy I did it. And I think I'm very likely to to probably use those eggs. My situation is a little different, but I do have some idea about costs because I guess this is something that is something to consider when you're asking folk too about clinics is about how the administrative side works. Cause mine was a mess. <laughs> um, admit like the, the whatever. I hope I hope I hope my eggs are okay. <laughs> I'm sure like that process was fine, but like billing and the way that that worked was not great. And so I actually ended up with a balance of like seventeen thousand dollars that I had to like work out with them. It was like a lot of back and forth. Like uh, that's not me. That's not that's not on me to 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 kind of pay. It worked with my regular insurance, so I had to pay like my deductibles and stuff, but. I did see the bill was about 17,000 for, you know, for all the checkups and things. And that was because it was like an in-network, it was a university hospital system. So it was in-network with the system. So certain things, regular insurance costs, and then other things were covered by um, the, the fertility specific benefits. I do know the drugs were about 7,000, I wanna say, for that one cycle. And so again, like, I don't adding it up together, but this wasn't, it wasn't like a package deal. And so I know that they, for instance, do have different kind of like pay schedules or pay structures for people who are not, who are paying out of pocket. So mm -hmm. that that's less expensive, but. What what about the egg storage process? <laughs> what Bunky <laughs> just said there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if my eggs are okay. I no, mean, no, no, I just meant in terms is of. Is there any liability that. <laughs> The, the no, Inshallah, Inshallah, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. I was joking. I meant in terms of like, I was saying that health wise, it was fine, right? They drew my blood just fine. They did everything just fine. And, you know, my, my tissue is, is, is whatever you want to call it. My cells are there. Um, yes, I think that I'm not sure actually how much, I, I think there's a set number of years that they keep it 
with my insurance after the procedure and then I have to like pay for more. I think it's a thousand a year, but I'm not a hundred percent sure because we haven't gotten to that point yet. So for me, it's $500 a year for the, the storage right. of the eggs. And they can store it for how, about how, roughly how many years? Until there's you, no, limit. There's, there's no limit. Oh. There was yeah. a woman who gave birth to, oh, no, that was the embryo. Never mind. I was going to say there's a woman that gave birth to an embryo that was older than her because it was frozen before she was born. But that was an embryo, not an egg, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and you do need, oh, that, I guess that's something to think about too, to maybe decide what you want to do with them for the ones you don't use. Mm -hmm. Um. I think, well, there's that, and also, um, depending on, like, your reasons for doing it, deciding on whether you're going to do eggs versus embryos. I think that um, that's not something that I brought up, but people have very different feelings about that, especially if you are partnered. And there's, like, religious considerations that come into play, moral and ethical dilemmas also that come into play. Um, so that is something to think about and consider like what it is that you, what it is that you want to freeze if you have the option. Hmm. Um, because I know folk who have frozen embryos, they got like donor, sperm donor and like just had, and wanted to bank that as opposed to just banking eggs. Um, and I forgot my other point, which was, oh, about freezing. Yes. Like deciding what you want done with the ones that you don't use. Cause they'll ask like, I feel I think the classic choices are throw them away or give them to science, maybe donate them to a family that is in in need of eggs. So I mean each person's gonna have to you you have to figure out what it is that you want to what you would feel comfortable doing with yours. So. And that's a decision that you have to make ahead of time. Well, yeah, I have to fill it out in the paperwork, like what they want mm -hmm. what they what they want, what I would want done. Oh, because also in the case like in the case of your death, in the case, you know, they, they have to think oh, about okay. all the different no, kinds of scenarios where I'm like, I didn't, I didn't plan on, I planned on being able to use my stuff, but it, it, it makes sense so that they know and they can respect your wishes. Are there any parting words um, either of you have on this topic? Um, words of encouragement, words of, you know, advice, any other, um, any other words that you may have? If you don't have anything to, that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, for my side, I think the procedure was well worth it. I'm really glad that I did it. Um, and I think even if, even if you think um, you might be able to conceive naturally, I think the other nice thing about freezing your eggs is if you are, you know, if you're a little older and um, you may want to have more than one child, um, it's nice also to to have eggs in the bank for that as well. Um, so it just is a way to kind of give you more options. Um, so yeah, I do. I, I, I'm really glad that I did it. And I, and I think for anyone who's seriously considering it, um, and it makes sense for them that, um, that, that they should do it. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm happy that I, I did it. I, I actually almost wish I had done uh, another cycle then. It, like immediately mm -hmm. after but again um whatever just didn't it didn't work out that way 
but it does feel good to know that at least I have something there. Um, as a, that gives me a decent chance of having at least one one child. Um, should I should I please? And I agree. And and the earlier you do it, just like the better quality of eggs that you have. Um, and so, if you're thinking about it. I guess, I mean, think about it for as long as you need to, but also think about the fact that the earlier, the better it is in a lot of cases. Um, yeah, do it. And you'd be surprised at how many people have, but don't talk about it. Mm. So um, I, I, I guess something else that can be helpful is that there are online forums and things like that for people with fertility issues. And there are Facebook groups and things like that. And those can be helpful, encouraging spaces to kind of like just read, learn, um, commiserate um, and all of that stuff. And because I, I, yeah, it was really helpful for me when I was bummed about like missing my magic 15 number and just getting more perspective from other folk about like how it's. Like I, I should be looking at the larger picture of how good this really is that I actually got this, you know, that I got that many out of it. Um, it can feel like you are alone in it, but there are a lot of people who are doing it and going through it. And you, even if it's not in your immediate community, there are places to find those folks. Thank you both for sharing such personal experiences with us. And thank you, Elena, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for speaking with us. We really appreciate it. I've learned a lot, actually, as well. It's just been, it's really helpful to hear someone else's experience and experience of someone who did it ostensibly in the, the, the DMV. I'm sort of like comparing. I'm here with the subtle similarities and differences between what different places do, and that's really helpful as well. No, thank you for having me. Um, and I hope maybe having this information for for others out there is helpful and it, and also helpful to know that you know there there are others who have done it and mm -hmm. um came out just just fine on the other side um and um and and yeah to know that they're not like alone in thinking thinking about this well thank you both and us the listeners we'll catch you later yeah.